Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm your host, Congressman Jody Heiss, and we welcome you aboard in the very first episode of these podcasts. And I hope you've been able to hear all of them. If you haven't, you certainly can go back and catch up. We've had some phenomenal guests and individuals on the uh, podcast with us. But in the very first episode, I provided a little background about me. And during uh, this episode today, I want to give you just a little bit deeper look into how and why I got involved in politics. As many of you know, prior to coming to Congress, I served as a pastor for nearly 30 years. And um, my first and highest calling has been and always will continue to be to serve and honor our Lord. But religious liberties is a very important issue to me. I believe that it's it's a fundamental cornerstone of American history, of our culture, of our government, of our very way of life. But unfortunately, as many of you are keenly aware, we are seeing today continued efforts to push religion and the expression of religion into the back seat. Now, a lot of this goes back to 1954, the IRS... Um, developed what was called, what has come to be known as the Johnson Amendment. It is literally a provision in the U.S. tax code to censor and target 501c3 organizations, which includes churches. Now, we're going to get more details into this in here just a few moments with our guest who's going to be joining us, but let me just kind of give you a little bird's eye view of the Johnson Amendment and its impact. It... um, comes to churches basically saying that if you speak in your sermon or whatever a, a wrong message, something that is politically incorrect, uh, there's threats of investigations, there's potential costly fines, there's even the threat of losing tax-exempt status altogether. And as I said, this was introduced by Lyndon Johnson back in 54, uh, behind closed doors, I might add, and it was never debated uh, on the Senate floor. But as a result of the Johnson Amendment, literally hundreds of churches, hundreds of nonprofit organizations uh, have become victims of an unconstitutional attack on their free speech. In fact, every election cycle, and I wish I had kept all these over the years, but pastors across the country, including myself, I I used to receive alarming letters from anti-religious organizations threatening to report me and our church to the IRS if we in any way engaged in what they deemed to be political speech from the pulpit. And so to push back on that censorship, in 2008, I was one of 33 pastors across the country who challenged the IRS. That movement has become known as Pulpit Freedom Sunday, Alliance Defending Freedom was the legal arm behind it, but basically what I did and the other 32, we preached a a sermon dealing clearly with political issues, and at the end of the sermon, endorsed a candidate from the pulpit. And our, our church was full of media that day and all that sort of stuff. But what we did afterwards is send a letter to the IRS along with a video copy of the sermon. And we basically said to the IRS, here's what we did. Here's here's the message. We're not hiding anything. We don't believe what we've done is unconstitutional. In fact, we believe your IRS code is unconstitutional, and we challenge you to come after us. All right, that, and as a result, the IRS did nothing, so we got together and decided to do it again, and still no response from the IRS. Now, 
uh, 11 years later, still no response from the IRS. Thousands of churches participate every year in the Pulpit Freedom Initiative. So all of that to say that this. When I came to Congress, one of the first things that I did was introduce the Free Speech Fairness Act along with House Republican Whip Steve Scalise and on the Senate side, Senator James Langford. And our efforts were to try to permanently restore the constitutional rights of our faith-based organizations and nonprofits. Overall, the, the Johnson Amendment has created two very real problems within our legal and our tax system. For one, it is clearly unconstitutional. The U.S. Supreme Court has stated in numerous cases that Americans do not give up their free speech rights simply by going to church, and that certainly applies to uh, religious organizations and churches. You don't lose your constitutional right at church any more than you don't lose it in some other place. And so when it comes to someone's own speech, that individual may choose to exercise some discretion or whatever, but the government coming in censoring speech is in blatant violation of the fundamental First Amendment rights outlined in our Constitution. The second major problem is the irregular enforcement of current law by the IRS that it, it, there, there is no transparency, there is not even any clear interpretation of when you are breaking the Johnson Amendment. So I, I applaud President Trump. He came in vowing to destroy the Johnson Amendment. Some of you may remember that. Uh, he actually has issued an executive order to promote free speech and religious liberty. He did that back in uh, 2017, I believe it was. Uh, it was an important first step, but we need a permanent legislative remedy that, that codifies and, and corrects the, the tax code as it uh, relates to our nonprofit organizations, something that is constitutional, something that protects our free speech rights. And I often hear from supporters of the Johnson Amendment about the importance of maintaining a fine line between the establishment of religion by the federal government. Okay, that may be good and fine, but that principle works both ways. Regulating the content of a minister's sermon clearly is not the designated mission of the IRS. Uh, the, 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 the government simply cannot and should not be in the business of policing speech. But that's what we have in the Johnson Amendment. Our Constitution states that all Americans have the unalienable right to free speech, to speak out on topics of conscience, to speak on topics of conviction, and it's time that we uphold those founding principles. And while our repeal efforts ultimately fell short uh, last Congress in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act uh, debate, uh, I'm, I'm committed to, to continue fighting for this, for free speech rights of all Americans, regardless of whether they have passed through the church doors or not. So hang on. We're going to be joined by Tony Perkins and go deeper into this and other topics. Stand by. Joining us today on the Freedom Caucus podcast is great friend and great leader, Tony Perkins. Many of you know him, who he is. He's the president of the Family Research Council. He also is a host of a nationally syndicated radio show entitled Washington Watch. I'm sure many of you have listened to that. If, you, if not, I deeply encourage you to do so. But Tony is an amazing leading conservative voice here in Washington 
and uh, not only on pro-life and pro-family issues, but across the board. Uh, during his time as the president of Family Research Council, he has done a fantastic job, and I say that with all sincerity and reality, deepening the impact of FRC on Capitol Hill and throughout the country for that matter. Uh, he's built an enormous network of pastors and churches, uh, encouraging them to uh, influence the culture uh, by thinking nationally but acting locally. Uh, he's an ordained minister. He's a veteran of the Marine Corps. Uh, he's a former police officer. He brings a unique perspective to the public policy process. And Tony, I just want to say thank you so much for your tremendous work and welcome to the Freedom Caucus podcast. Well, thank you, Jody. Great to be with you. And then can't you kind of turn in the tables on me? I know you, you have been a radio talk show host, but normally I'm interviewing you. So uh, <laughs> it's an honor to be with you. Well, you know, turnabout's fair play. So it's great to have you on here. Uh, listen, Tony, let's just start a little bit of, uh, about you. I mean, you've got just an amazing resume. It looks like you've done a little bit of everything over your life. But for our, our listeners, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and the incredible work that's being done at the Family Research Council. Well, thank you. That's very kind. Actually, what it is, I just can't keep a job, so I just keep doing all <laughs> the different things. Once I, I'm, When I grow up, I'm going to figure out what I want to do. <laughs> No, it's been it's been an interesting path. I um, I never envisioned being involved in politics. Quite frankly, I was a, uh, as you mentioned, I was in the Marine Corps. I was a police officer. Then I actually worked uh, as a contractor with the State Department, U.S. State Department, doing anti-terrorism training. And uh, it, it was then I began to realize how politics in politics influenced everything. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a roundabout way, but the, the Lord led me into the ministry of government. Now, I never really thought of government being a ministry, but uh, I, I sensed the calling, surrendered to the ministry, and the Lord showed me it was government. Uh, ran for office, was elected, served in Louisiana, term limited myself to, to two terms of eight years in Louisiana. Uh, and then the Lord, uh, 16 years ago, led me to, uh, to FRC here in Washington, D.C., and it's been, uh, it's been a real privilege to, to, to number one, be, be a voice for Christians in this arena. And, I mean, you know what that's like up here. The city can be a little hostile toward that. But I'll have to say, in the, the, the 16 years I've been here, I've actually, I'm encouraged by a lot of what I see. And you're, you're kind of exhibit A. There are many men and women like you of deep faith that have come to this city not to gain anything, but to give and to serve. And I think if we won't, you know, and this is quoting scripture, but I think if we don't grow weary, we're going to reap a reward in this, in seeing our culture and our country turn around and move back to its founding principles. Well, I remember personally, Tony, and I'll just uh, say this from a, a personal thank you perspective. I remember being up here and just going through an extremely difficult personal time with votes and uh, just the atmosphere and the culture up here. And you sent me a text on one of, the, one of those very difficult days uh, stating what you just said, don't grow weary in well-doing. And I'm telling you, that verse not only got me through that day and that week, but I've gone back to it over and over and over again, that we are in the battle and we've got to continue uh, raising the banner and moving forward and doing the right thing. And you are an incredible encourager to so many people up here to do that and one who provides a compass uh, in, in how to go about doing it. Well, again, I mean, it's 
I have a, a, a role to play in this, but I, I come alongside, you know, men and women like you that are willing to be in the, the arena. And I, you know, I consider myself in the arena, but just kind of on a different side from a standpoint of, uh, of not being an elected office any longer. But helping you guys, you know, holding up your arms and, and making these decisions, giving you the right information, but also encouraging you and praying for you. And, 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 and on our, our political arm that we have at FRC, helping more men and women like yourselves get here to Washington, D.C. I, I really think, Jody, that we're, we're close to a tipping point. Um, oh, yes. When it comes to the, the ideologically conservative, committed, courageous leaders that are coming to Washington at this time, we're not quite yet there, but we're close. And so I would just tell people, don't back up now. Don't give up hope now. Continue, persist. I believe we're going to get there. Well, that that is a great word, and I believe that. But let's let's go down that path. I mean, that we've got so many bills, so many issues of enormous importance right before us. I think just on the life issue, we have uh, born alive bill. We've got the pain capable. We have the Hyde Amendment, which would pro- prohibit federal dollars from going towards abortion. Uh, trying to get that permanently in, installed. Uh, what, what type of bills do you look at and think these are of utmost importance for us right now? Well, you, you mentioned many of them, but I will say this, I think at the top of the list right now is the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. I think that is, it is, uh, it's more than symbolic, but in many ways it represents our nation being at a point of choosing. I mean, because you have you have such clearly uh, distinct sides in this, where you've got like Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York that has embraced and really introduced into America infanticide, and Governor Northam of Virginia celebrating that. And you have a party, two political parties, that have clearly articulated their positions on life and their party platforms. I encourage people to look at the Democratic Party platform and the Republican Party platform. Democratic Party platform, no restrictions on abortion, forcing taxpayers to fund it, the opposite in the Republican Party platform. You say, well, those things don't matter. Yes, they do. Uh, 75% of the time, according to research out of Stephen F. Austin University, 75% of the time, Democrats adhere to their party platform. 79% of the time, Republicans adhere to their party's platform. Wow. So these things do matter. They are a, a roadmap for where the parties are going. So you want to know what the Democrats are going to do? Look at their party platform, and they're actually doing it right now. I think if we get this wrong, Jody, and we go down this path to where we sanction infanticide, murdering babies who have been born, I mean, that, that's a line. I mean, abortion is horrific, and I think we're close to actually seeing that change. I think we're very, very close to seeing America becoming a pro, predominantly pro-life nation again. I agree. And that's why I think this, this push by the left to thrust us into really a new frontier of infanticide, we've got to resist that. And I know you and many others are leading this charge, but this is something that every Christian, every conservative, every pro-life American has to join in this effort to ensure that we don't go there. The president's committed. Uh, we need more in Congress to do that. And I think that's a huge issue. I think the 
the issue of religious freedom, and we've seen the attacks against religious freedom. Unfortunately, this administration is turning many of those back uh, to allow people to live out their faith uh, in their everyday life. That's essential to restoring America to its uh, constitutional and moral foundation. So big issues right now, but part of it, we all have to assume our responsibility, and part of that is just exercising the freedoms that we currently have. Well, you mentioned religious liberty, and uh, you know, you and I, have, we, we've been friends a long time, going back to the early 2000s, and uh, we've worked over the years on on issues like the Free Speech Fairness Act, the, the attempt to amend the U.S. tax code and repeal the Johnson Amendment. Can you talk a little bit about those efforts, uh, just what the Johnson Amendment is and what the repeal of the Johnson Amendment would mean to this country? Well, you've been a tremendous leader on that effort in raising awareness and driving it on Capitol Hill. But essentially, the Johnson Amendment passed back in 1954 by um, uh, Senator Johnson, Senator at the time, uh, out of Texas, um, essentially put a muzzle on churches. Now, he was going after some of his political enemies, but he ended up catching a, a, a much broader uh, array of people, including churches and nonprofits, putting a muzzle on them so that they could not speak into the political. Now, the reality is it's unconstitutional. It's never been uh, successfully used uh, by the government, by the IRS. In fact, uh, probably a decade, I, uh, I helped with Alliance Defending Freedom. I think you participated oh, in that yes. before you came to One Congress. One of the original 33. Mm-hmm. Right, the Pulpit Freedom Sunday, where pastors intentionally preached a message that uh, crossed this line drawn by the IRS and then sent their sermons to the IRS, challenging them to to do something with it. Well, they never did, because they can't. But what has happened with that, these leftist organizations have used this law, the Johnson Amendment, to intimidate many churches into silence. And so the president made it an issue after yourself and others, Steve Scalise helped in this, Mike Johnson helped in it, raising the awareness of this. And so the president, by executive order, has protected churches. And it's, it's limited, but it's it's temporarily in place. But what needs to be done statutorily, and I know you continue to lead that charge, but we've got to have uh, 218 votes uh, in the House to make that happen. And we're not quite there yet. We're not, we're not under this the current circumstance here with the Democratic Party in the majority, but but momentum is continuing to move forward. More and more people are becoming aware of the Johnson Amendment. And let's just, I know we've just got another minute or so, Tony, but let's just use that to, uh, before we wrap up, uh, to just move transition somewhat into a, a call for action to our listeners. How, how can people get more involved, be it with FRC or just our process as the government as a whole? Number one, be informed. We need to know what's going on, but two, we have to assume responsibility. Once we know what's going on, we've got to do something with it. And you say, well, I, you know, I can't run for Congress. I can't be in Washington. Well, you don't have to be in Washington. You don't have to run for Congress. You can support those who do run. You can be involved in their campaign, supporting them. You can support organizations like FRC. And people can find out more by going to frc.org. But the big, the, the most important thing, is to not be silent. We must speak out. We must 
use the freedoms that we have to preserve those freedoms. Uh, freedom, you know, we're free, but freedom will not last unless we're vigilant in protecting it, guarding it, nurturing it, and that that involves being involved, whether it's in the local school board, city council, state legislature, uh, Congress. There are many threats to our freedoms today. We have to be informed. We have to be engaged. Some of that, that may be run for office, maybe volunteer in a campaign, maybe financial contributions to a candidate, to an organization. We could all do something uh, to protect what uh, we consider to be and what is vital to America's future, and that is our freedom. Well said. Well, Tony, I want to thank you so much for taking a few moments out of your busy schedule to join us today. We appreciate it very much and all that you and FRC do. You're genuinely champions for those of us here in Washington and for conservatives all across the country, and we appreciate greatly you joining us today. Well, thank you, Jody Heiss. Always great to be with you, and I appreciate your leadership and your friendship. Well, likewise, and thanks to each of you who have been able to join us today. Listen, if you have a moment, we would deeply appreciate if you would consider reviewing this podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes and follow us on Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and also on Twitter at Freedom Caucus. I hope you'll be able to join us next week. Until then, I'm Jody Heiss for this edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast, signing off.